It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And if I'm not as clear as I usually am this morning, it's because I'm on location on the coast of Maine. And so I don't have the usual technology I do for the show. But I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, I am, uh, I've been coming to this place for a long time on the coast of Maine. And last year was one of the very few years well, in my memory that I haven't been on the east coast of Maine fishing and being in what what is known, and at least our license plates say, vacation land. Maine is the east coast's vacation land, and so I, I missed the chance to not only fish, but to have lobster and all those wonderful things that you can have on the east coast. So I'm going to start off this morning by talking a little bit what's happening in the fishery world and frankly the tourism world in the east coast because it's it's very very different than it is in the midwest and it's very different than the west as far as how people treat covid um it's maine last year you couldn't come to maine unless you quarantined uh for a large long part of the summer uh that certainly killed its tourism industry um this year it is as about as uptight with COVID, it is the most uptight place I've been. Uh, you, you can't go anywhere without wearing a mask. You virtually can't swim in the ocean or go fishing without wearing a mask. Uh, everybody wants to know if you've been vaccinated. And it strikes me how different parts of the country are. As you know, sometimes I uh, report in from the Rocky Mountain states, and as I did a few weeks ago, and there, by and large, Nobody cares about COVID. It's a very interesting dynamic. In Illinois, we certainly, and Wisconsin, we, we, we certainly, in Michigan, we know what's, what's happening. Uh, I would just put, simply put it this way. In New England, people are very uptight about COVID. So if you're making plans to come to America's vacation land, as the license plates say, and the, when you drive into Maine, it says, welcome to vacation land, um, be prepared for a, a different experience than you might have in the Midwest or wherever you're listening to this show. And, and while we don't, WGN doesn't go into California live, it certainly does in the podcast. And I, I do hear from listeners in California occasionally, mostly relocated Chicagoans who would, would certainly send me an email right now saying, you're not living in California. You can't believe what we have to go through. But it is, um, it's a very different feeling. So I spent the last couple of days, as I have for many years, trying to catch striped bass and bluefish. And I have to tell you, I I haven't caught one yet. The fishing is positively terrible. And unfortunately, it has been increasingly poor for for a number of years. Fifteen years ago, when I would do the show from the location where I'm calling in this morning, um, I could give, and I did give reports of catching just lots of bluefish and releasing them back in the ocean, and, and all this was fly fishing. 
and catching lots of striped bass. It was unbelievable. And over the past 10 years or so, it's just slowly getting worse until I now have been out and spent several hours on the water. And two small stripers have been landed on flies in the boat I've been in. We fished two people at a time, four of us in the boat. That's it. I haven't had a strike. I've hauled in a mountain of seaweed, uh, but I haven't, I haven't hauled in any fish. And, and up and down the coast of Maine, at least, the, the striper fishing uh, continues to, to, to just perplex people. Are they not there? Where are the fish? You hear up in the St. Lawrence Seaway about the incredible number of striped bass and how they're invading the salmon rivers in the, up and throughout the great salmon country of Quebec and, and Labrador. And are those the stripers that used to be on the East Coast? And have they moved north because they had better forage? They had warmer water. There, there is definitely no question. And as you know, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit about later in the show, I am not a global warming alarmist. I, I try to paint a, a picture that is balanced. And, and on this show through the years, I've, I've reported a lot on it without saying one side or the other is right. But I, I do know this factually. The water is warmer in Maine than it was 20 years ago, than it was 30 years ago. And is it materially warmer? Well, if the water temperature averaged 61 degrees and now it averages 63 degrees, apparently that's material to a fish. If you're jumping in 61 to 63, I can tell you it's still really cold. But maybe to fish, that two degrees makes a big difference. And I did jump in the ocean yesterday on a, on a hot day here. And 63 degree water, well, it wakes you up. No question about it. But does that change the way fish behave? It certainly in the West has changed the way fish behave in this year of drought and, and extremely hot weather. Uh, rainbow trout after 66 degrees begin to shut down and after 68 they begin to die. Um, you think about a human being. Uh, our temperature 98.6 supposed to be normal. If it goes up two degrees over 100, we don't feel very well. So the difference between 98 and 100 percentage-wise is not as much as the difference between 64 and 68 uh, in the water. So maybe fish behave, maybe that temperature change is, is really that much more of a shock to the system. But whatever it is, the fishing in New England is just not, continues to be not what it was. On the other hand, uh, if you're in the lobster business, you're about to go out and buy a Rolls Royce. The price of lobster, and some of you may have read this, or if you tried to buy lobster, you know this. The price of lobster is, is at a world record high. It's just unbelievable how much you'll pay. You'll pay $28 for a lobster roll. I won't pay $28 for a lobster roll, and I'm not going to eat a lobster roll at $28, a bunch of a hot dog bun and a bunch of mayonnaise, and then somewhere in there is a little lobster claw. But it's... It's off the charts. And it's off the charts because, again, the supply chain is broken, COVID, the whole situation. Um, there aren't as many lobster being caught right now because there aren't as many people lobster fishing because guess what? Uh, we still have COVID payments going on. And for some people, it's more lucrative to sit at home than it is to get in your lobster boat and go fishing. 
That's changing as the price of lobster is going through the roof. But all of this is indicating that things, not only do they always change, but that the direction of, of our fishery is, is really troublesome. And there's been a group out of, out of Boston and New York for a long time that have been trying to shut down the Manhattan fishery. And Manhattan are, are little tiny bait fish, and they are the fish that feed the, the bottom of the food chain all the way up and what stripers and bluefish and all these fish eat. And, and of course, Manhattan are, are netted and, and by the hundreds of millions of pounds out of the ocean, out of the Chesapeake Bay. And their populations have largely crashed in many areas. Is that the reason we don't have more fish? And, and it's, it is definitely related. The one thing that everybody knows is we don't know. You can talk to the top scientists as, as I have at Woods Hole Institute in, in Massachusetts. You can talk to game and fish in, in Maine as I have. And, and nobody seems to know, but the sport fisherman in Maine who's fishing in the Atlantic Ocean is continuing to see a, a diminution of of output, and how much longer that can continue? Stripers forever is called on on a complete ban on fishing for stripers. I, I personally don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the answer at all. It, it's there's something really wrong with this ecosystem, and whether it's the water slightly warmer, the Manhattan have been wiped out, or the bunker fish, the feed fish have been wiped out. It's seldom one thing. But probably a collection that is causing the Upper East Coast to, to have real problems. So when I come back from the break, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about something I don't often talk about, but it's some of the releases on quote unquote climate change or the global climate crisis, as it's now called. And I'll simply offer a few thoughts that you might find of interest, and I'll cover a few more things in the Great Outdoors show. So from the coast of Maine, I'll be back in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And if I sound a bit scratchy this morning, if you're just joining us, I am on the coast of Maine where the reception is not the best, so I'm not in studio. So bear with me. Uh, I do now want to move to something that is a, is a breaking situation in Illinois, which is very positive. For months, actually almost a year now, I have from time to time talked about the 
how the FOID card, Firearms Owners Identification Card in Illinois, uh, is not processing applications. So if you're trying to go hunting or own a firearm in Illinois to go play target shooting, whatever you might want to do, you can't get your FOID card. My daughter was a, a victim of this. It took nine months for her to get a FOID card. You're not allowed to hunt in Illinois unless you're at a licensed shooting preserve without a FOID card. So the whole system was broken. Part of the reason it was broken, as so many things are in Illinois, is we haven't updated the system, modernized it. The other is that uh, the number of people applying for a FOID card in Illinois last year went from 1.2 million to 2.2 million. It doubled. And so we have seen a doubling uh, over the past decade, not, not year, but, but the past decade, we've seen a doubling in people applying for FOID cards over the past decade, but there's been no investment in, in improving the system. And so everything is absolutely bottled up. House Bill 562 will modernize the firearm credential system, which has not been, get this, updated in over 50 years. I'm not making this up. 50 years. 50 years ago, we didn't have computers. Uh, the bill is the most comprehensive reform of our state's firearm laws over a generation. Governor J.B. Pritzker said, and as you know, Governor Pritzker is no fan of, of those of us who want to go hunting and, and have guns. Um, it's not that he's opposed to hunting. He just m- believes that we ought to have very strict laws on the ownership of guns. And, and the very strict law is without a FOID card, you can't own a gun in Illinois. So if the system is issuing FOID cards, guess what? You're a felon. Uh, because you can't own a, you cannot own a firearm. And in fact, it was Governor Ryan who made not having a FOID card a felony, uh, in Illinois if you had a firearm. So it's a serious situation. But apparently, the state is now going to, um, fix the system and they are going to somehow speed up the system. So we're going to see what happens here. But as the number of people trying to uh, buy handguns and shotguns in Illinois and go hunting continue to increase. The system we have cannot work. House Bill 562 takes effect in January of 2022. It's not going to help you this fall. If you don't have a, if you don't have a FOID card and you plan to go dove hunting here in a couple of weeks in Illinois, uh, once again, you're, you're going to be out of luck. It's, it's just, it's just awful that our state operates this way because the people who were punished are the sportsmen and women of Illinois and the target shooters in Illinois who want to be legal and want to have their FOID cards and the FOID cards expire. You can't get a new one if you just moved to Illinois. And obviously, you know, that many people right now are moving to Illinois, but if you just moved to Illinois, you can't get a FOID card. So the the system is penalizing those of us who are law-abiding. And it's great that they're going to modernize it. It's great they're going to throw money at it, but it's it's really pretty much a disgrace that we ended up in uh, in this situation uh, that we're in, and it's it's years and years of neglect. So um, hopefully we can start working on the firearms owners identification card delays. You've heard me say many times, um, I don't think we should have one. Most states don't have one. Why do we in Illinois have a FOID card? Why are we? Why does it expire? And and why does it cost money to to get this card? Uh, and it's a tax on, on law-abiding citizens, and it certainly hasn't done anything to reduce crime uh, because people who have don't have FOID cards um, 
are committing the crimes. You're not finding crimes being committed by people who go into a police station and provide all the information you have to have a FOIT card. Uh, they're not the ones providing, you're making, uh, they're the ones who don't have the FOIT card. So for those of you, along with me in Illinois, who hope for a complete revocation of the FOID card system so that sportsmen and women can once again do what sportsmen and women can do across most of the country without having to have a state-issued identification card. Uh, we didn't go anywhere near there. We just simply said we promised to hire more people, which means more expense, and we hope to reduce the backlog. That's the great news from the state of Illinois on the FOID card. Um, then, uh, switching gears for a moment, which I definitely want to do, and I'm going to talk about it next week, um, is because the New York Times has published an article uh, recently about all the work on climate change um, and how the world is rapidly warming and, and glaciers potentially could melt and the Gulf Stream, which runs up through off of Europe, could move and, and all these things could happen. And it is, there's a lot of science behind it. But it's also, at the end of the day, it's a lot of conjecture. And I thought that it would be interesting in the couple minutes I have left just to talk about the flooding in Germany. And again, I'm just simply providing information. You can make up your own minds. Um, Germany went through this incredible flooding, just horrible um, flooding this summer. And the president of Germany, the chancellor, Angela Merkel, said it was caused by climate change. We have a climate crisis, and that as a result of climate change, uh, we absolutely have to do something to stop this kind of flooding. Well, that is terrific, except it's not factual. Um, the river R, A-H-R, in Germany, where most of the flooding occurred this summer, uh, had a spectacular flow on July 14th, but it was much lower than the flow of 1804 and 1910. Both of those were before the Industrial Revolution. 1804, we, I mean, we were, we were back in the Stone Age, basically. So the rivers, uh, over 200 years ago flowed, and I don't know how they measured it in 1804, but they did. They have data. I can't explain that to you. I'm just reading you the facts that in 1804 and 1910, the floods in Germany were worse than they are today. And there was no such thing as man-induced, human-induced climate change. However, we're being told today that because of the flooding that just occurred this summer, that climate change is the cause. And, and as the Wall Street Journal wrote and others wrote about, um, it's blaming the deadly floods on climate change instead of taking responsibility for the things that have caused these floods, building in, in, in flood areas, drainage, and we talk about this all the time in the Mississippi alluvial plain, all the flooding we have as a result of increased drainage, not an increase of precipitation that's caused the flooding, it's an increase in the drainage. And in the case in Germany, all the hype is about how climate change has caused this terrible flooding this summer. Just go back and ask the people who lived there in 1804, of course we can't, or 1910, of course we can't. But the flooding was worse then. So I just simply put that out there. 
make up your own minds. This is, there's not a right and a wrong, but it's good sometimes to hear the other side. And I'm not taking an opinion. I'm just reporting what has been written. Thanks so much for being with me this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more in the great outdoors. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.